Welcome to the Title Run Sports Podcast. I'm your host, Dave Bethay, coming to you today from the Ted Turner Studios to talk to you about some recent chatter involving the Atlanta Hawks and possible trades and interest they could have in some big-name superstars around the league. If you're new to the show, please make sure to like and subscribe on your podcasting platform. You can follow us on social media, Facebook and Twitter. And you can email us, titlerunsports at gmail.com. So if you follow websites like Clutch Points, who is a big rumor website that occasionally reports really good information on basketball, and other websites that do news dumps, they come up with all these rumors, and I'm doing rumors and air quotes, about teams that may be showing interest in superstars around the league. I never know how much stock to put into these, but it creates really good discussion. And since the Hawks season just ended, I thought it'd be worth looking at five of these talking about what the Hawks should and should not give up, and whether or not these would be good trades. Spoiler alert from reading the title, I don't think any of these would be really good trades. <laughs> so the first one of these I will address is a potential trade for Ben Simmons. And that's a trade that, despite what a lot of people think, would be relatively straightforward. Ben Simmons is slotted to make about $35 million next year, and with a trade involving Clint Capella and Bogdan Bogdanovich, you could almost match his salary identically and have a straight-up trade where Simmons comes to Atlanta, Capella and Bogdanovich go back to the Nets, and you have a clean three-player swap. And the reason that you'd be sending Capella as opposed to some of your other assets is that the biggest need on the Nets team is interior defense and rebounding, as was shown in the playoffs. They just have nothing at center. They're playing an undrafted free agent in Nicholas Claxton, who's a Georgia boy and I love. But, I mean, he was their best center, along with Andre Drummond. And Capella would provide an immediate and massive upgrade at that position for them. The other big need they have is shooting, as Joe Harris spent a lot of this year injured. Seth Curry was added as a really good addition. But in Bogdanovich, you'd be adding a third really good shooter to put on the wings that doesn't need to play with the ball which is what you need when you have two ball-dominant players like Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant. So those two seem like really, really good fits in the Nets, and we already know that the Nets aren't interested in draft picks as they're in win-now mode. So that's a pretty clean, straight-up swap. Now what's interesting is that the NBA trade machine on ESPN rates this trade as a plus 12 wins for the Nets and a minus 13 wins for the Hawks. Whereas on Trade NBA, who has another really good draft machine, which allows you to trade picks, it's a minus six wins for the Hawks and a plus six wins for the Nets. Very interesting that these data engines feel as if the Nets would be getting the better end of this trade, largely because Capella fills such a huge void on their team, and all of the Nets' data has been calculated with Ben Simmons not having played for them last year. Now, as far as the Hawks go, Simmons is a pretty good fit here to slot in as a high-level defender and ball handler. He would be a great role partner for Trey Young in the pick and roll, and if you trap Simmons, he's an excellent passer. He's also someone that would increase the tempo the Hawks play at as he can grab rebounds, take the ball off the floor. He is a fantastic finisher, and he'd be able to guard really athletic wings on defense while then turning around and playing 
the center position as the role man in offense. It's not a perfect fit, but he would allow John Collins to play as more of a lob threat and not have to spend as much time in the perimeter. And as we know, Collins being a fantastic finisher and vertical spacer is probably best suited as the role man on pick and roll as opposed to the pop man, which he's had to do a lot of since the addition of Clint Capella. The other thing is Simmons can become the primary ball handler when Trey Young is off the floor. And when Young is on the floor, Simmons, who can't play off the ball, can be a primary ball handler and allow Trey to play off the ball more and score. So the fit's not perfect, but it is a fit, and he does add some defensive prowess. My biggest issue with this trade is I don't need to add a Kardashian to our team. Simmons is a head case. We know this. He shrinks in big moments. He's not going to give you anything in, in clutch time. He's going to be played off the floor if they get in close games where he's being fouled and has knocked down free throws. I see this being a great fit for the regular season that would probably not provide you with a whole lot in the postseason. So I don't love this trade for that reason, and I don't like giving away one of the probably four or five best centers in the Eastern Conference for a guy that I don't even know is going to play next year with all these back injuries and his mental health issues, and it just seems like a very risky move. So that was what the trade looked like. You may love it. I'm saying no to this, but let me know what you think. The next trade is one that probably has a little bit more fire and a little less smoke. We know that the Rudy Gobert-Donovan Mitchell partnership is rocky and could be coming to an end with Mitchell having kind of expressed interest in other teams and the Jazz looking at potential packages for one of them. Uh, We'll explore trades for both of them, with the first one being for Gobert. Here's the issue with Gobert. Gobert is a great player. He's one of the probably five best centers in the NBA, but he's overpaid. Even as a legitimate all-in-bay center, which is what he probably is, borderline, probably the fourth or fifth best center, he's still overpaid at $35 million a year. And Gobert ultimately is the like Super Saiyan version of Clint Capella. He's a better rebounder, a better shot blocker, and can't create his own shot, can't make free throws, and can't really score in isolation. So he's the best possible version of Clint Capella, and he gets paid twice what Capella gets paid to do essentially a better version of the same things. So that makes trades for him hard because any trade that you make for him is likely going to be a three-for-one. So in this trade scenario, you take Gobert's $35 million salary, send it to the Hawks. Um, $35 million this year, $38 million, I believe it is, next year. Send that to the Hawks, and in return, you send Clint Capella at $19.7 million next year, DeAndre Hunter at $9.8 million next year, and then Jalen Johnson at $2.7 million next year to get the salaries to match. And Hunter is the second big piece of this because the rumor is that the Jazz like DeAndre Hunter's game. So whether or not that's true or not, I don't know, but that's the rumor. That creates a three-for-one deal where you're sending out $29 million, receiving back $35 million to get a huge defensive upgrade. And I hate to say that because Capella is a good defensive player, but like he's not even in the same stratosphere as Gobert. A huge defensive upgrade and defensive anchor. Do I love that? No, for the simple reason. I don't like a three-for-one trade for a player that's not going to put the ball in the bucket in the playoffs. <laughs> Again, I can see why some people might be down with this. I'm not, although I will say that the ESPN trade machine analysis says this is a plus three wins for the Hawks, as does the trade NBA engine. So let me know what you think. The other trade involving the other Jazz superstar, Donovan Mitchell, is a little bit easier. Mitchell slated to make $28 million this year and $30.3 million next year, 
would be traded for Bogdan Bogdanovich and again DeAndre Hunter since that's a piece the Jazz are rumored to like. Salaries match pretty closely. I think it's $27 million next year between those two and $30 million for Mitchell, so it's a very, very close salary match. And what's interesting is that this trade generates, according to ESPN's engine, plus one win for the Hawks and only minus one win for the Jazz. And I think a big reason for that is the fact that Donovan Mitchell is a very poor defender because playing shooting guard at six foot one, which is what he actually is. Um, you know, the NBA went out and measured all the heights and weights a few years ago and got accurate measurement. He's a six foot one shooting guard, making him extremely undersized and someone that, like Trey Young, gets picked on and switches. So can you imagine starting a backcourt with Two six-one guards, as Trey is also six-one and listed at 164 pounds, which is nuts. Having two six-one guards in the backcourt is a recipe for disaster. Now, now the Jazz have gotten away with it the last two years, playing Donovan Mitchell alongside Mike Conley, who's also six-one. But a Conley is a fantastic on-the-ball and team defender, and both of them are playing in front of Rudy Gobert, who is the probably the single most impactful defensive player in the NBA. So. The Hawks don't have that in Clint Capella, and if you're going to put Trey Young and Donovan Mitchell in the same backcourt, you are getting two ball-dominant guys, one of whom is an elite passer in Trey Young, one of whom is an elite isolation scorer. That itself is not a great fit, and in addition to that, you're adding two guys that are subpar defenders, Trey being a very bad defender at the point guard position, and Mitchell being a very bad defender when he's playing at the two. So, all in all, I don't think that's a great trade unless you're just going to go all on an offense and try to bomb your way out of the East. I just I don't think that works. I think we saw that the Nets couldn't do that this year. We saw that Chicago couldn't do that this year after their good defensive guards got hurt. I just don't think that's a recipe for success. But would it make the Hawks better than they are right now? Quite possibly. I th- and uh, I think earlier I said that the ESPN engine had them at plus one win. That was actually the trade NBA engine. The ESPN engine has the Hawks at plus six wins with Mitchell. But again, let me know what you think. The last trade is probably the trade that I hate the least, and that is a potential trade for Bradley Beal. Now, this one's complicated because Beal has a player option coming up for the upcoming season, and he's a guy that, if he opted out, probably could actually get the same money he's making now, which he's slated to make $36 million next year. He probably could get that money in the open market, whereas, for example, a guy like John Wall with a $47 million salary, if he take, does not take his player option, no one's giving him that money, probably on a three-year deal, much less on a one-year deal. So Beal could opt out, but assuming he opts into his deal with the Wizards, he could be traded, and he would then become an expiring contract, which you would think would somewhat lower his value. But the trade for the Wizards is pretty straightforward as far as salary matching. It's, again, Clint Capella in his $19.7 million salary for next year, along with Bogdan Bogdanovich's $18 million salary. That gives you a $37.7 million salary to match Beal's $36 million, and it's a, like a perfect match. Um, is that the Wizards really only have one center on their team in Daniel Gafford? Thomas Bryant and Jan Mahimi are both free agents that will be gone. And so they have Daniel Gafford, who is a you know nice backup player, and Vernon Carey Jr. as their only options. So Capella would be an immediate massive upgrade. And the reason they would not want a player like a DeAndre Hunter, who would be an appealing prospect to a lot of teams, is that they already have Kyle Kuzma, 
Rui Hachimura and Denny Avdia, who were all six foot eight to six foot nine combo forwards. <laughs> that so you would not want to take on DeAndre Hunter into that mix and just have a logjam of oversized combo wings. It just wouldn't make any sense. So the most common sense move, to, the most common sense piece to add to this trade is Bogdanovich. So making that move, this is interesting. The Wizards would get a plus eight in wins according to the trade NBA engine, and the Hawks would get a minus eight. And that largely has to do with the loss of defensive impact from Clint Capella. Because even if you believe that Onyeka Okongwu can step in and be more most of what Clint Capella is, which I do think, you don't have that same quality center now behind Okongwu. <laughs> and Bradley Beal has, for the last two or three years, been one of the worst defensive players in the NBA. It's like as soon as John Wall left, he just stopped trying. Because early in his career, Beal was an above-average defender. Not a stopper, but an above-average defender. But ever since John Wall got injured and he started taking on a high-volume offensive load, he has been atrocious on the defensive end. Rated down probably in the bottom 10 of all NBA guards, just above Trey Young level. Now, as for the fit offensively, Beal is a beautiful fit alongside Trey Young because he can play off the ball. When Trey's not on the floor, he can be a primary ball handler. He is actually a very, very underrated playmaker. He can score inside and outside. He's a good spot-up shooter, which is what was his initial skill when he came in the league. And he can handle the ball when Trey's off the floor. So, again, it's a really great fit offensively. And if Beal is willing to put in any effort on defense, it could work defensively because he has shown the capability to be a good defender. So that is probably the trade I dislike the least. The one downside is you'd have to convince Beal to re-sign, and the Hawks would definitely have to go into luxury tax territory to keep Beal. So those are five trades the Hawks probably should not make this offseason. That's my takes on them. I'd love to hear what you think. This has been David Thay for the Title Run Sports Podcast. That's it for today. Thank you for listening.